Addicts in the Dark for Banyan Tree 21, a residential addiction rehab located in the heart of Chiang Mai. Best Western practices and traditional Eastern medicine at a truly affordable cost. Visit www.banyantree21.com for more. It has been said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's human connection. Here, we connect anonymously. This is Addicts in the Dark with Quick Nick. This episode's phone call made possible by Attuned to the Moon 24-7, where creativity heals. Apparel, homeware, and accessories with all proceeds going to support survivors of PTSD. Go to Attuned to the Moon 24-7.com. That's A-T-T-U-N-E to the moon.com to purchase your product today. It's caller 13. And their story about addiction. Addicts in the dark. Hey there, how's it going, buds? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, sir. So, you know the deal? No names, no exact locations? Yeah. Any questions? No, that's it, man. I just want to rip it. I'm, I just kind of, yeah, ready to rock and roll. All right. Tell me about your addiction. Well, my, my main addiction is, uh, was alcoholism. And uh, it's interesting because I, when I was in my 20s, I used to do, like, Hard drugs, crack rock, methamphetamine, um, lots of cocaine, and uh, never any down or never never any inject, like, I never injected anything, I never really did anything like that, but I used to party and stuff for days, and, and um, but oddly enough, I sort of grew out of that, because I approached 30, I just, I never used treatment, I never used any sort of, um, any blue book, 12 steps or any sort of healing modalities to get out of that. I just grew out of it. And then it became a vicious alcohol addiction. Like I just always drink till I black out and then wake up and go to, go and get to the liquor store as they call it, the 901 club. Right. But, um, it's been a, a long journey. I'm nine months clean next month. This time I almost had a year two weeks shy of a year before COVID hit. And when COVID kind of hit, everything started locking down. I was like, oh, whatever. It's the end of the world. Let's just grab some fireball and go for it, right? But that set me on another four or five month bender. And that, that, that last rock bottom was a weird one because I've had worse rock bottoms, Right, I've had ones where the jobs are gone and the and the girlfriends are gone, and I get my I kicked out of the house, or I have to move, or I'm this or that, or shuffling around like crazy, trying to like tread water or keep my head above water. This time, I had EI, I had tons of money saved up, I pulled some RFPs because uh, this relapse was kind of um, the last one nine months ago, or sorry, nine months ago is when I got sober February 18th and then four or five months before that it was like a slow descent it just started with losing license uh, my license again and this and that but what I what I did was I just called I knew I was going down and I couldn't keep my job again so basically I just went on EI pulled my RSPs and I just it was four months of just chilling sitting at home 
and on EI with a saving. So it was a spiritual rock bottom this time. It was one of like, I had a place to be. I was fine, but I just, I, it was real weird. This one has been, this is the one where I've been introduced into a spiritual, um, what they call a higher power. And, uh, I call it the synchronistic algorithm. And, uh, being a metal head, I would say that like my other higher powers, music and metal and the mosh pits and like, the stories of all my heroes that are sober, you know, Rob Halford, and Jamie Johnson, Hatebreed, and um, Randall Blythe, the Flamma God, Corey Taylor, Slipknot, so many guys are sober now. So, like, that, you know, that's part of a higher power, I think. But the, but the synchronistic algorithm is strong because I remember the night that I went and got sober, I was tripping out. I was going, I was, I was drinking vodka. Like, I like straight vodka or fireball. Whatever I get my hands on, basically, and um, but generally I just go get the, the 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 vodka, and I mean I have to use different liquor stores because the the, the girls or the people there will know, you know. I was just well, I'm so I'm funny. I'm a weird dude. I'll go in. Well, I'm not weird. I'm just very like charismatic. So I'll go in there and chatting up the girls and chatting this and that, and you know, I'm just like being too well known, and then they'll get concerned because I'm showing up five times a day. So I have to go to different liquor stores. But anyway. That was my daily habit. And one night I was just, it was just spiraling, man. It was getting like, EI was going to run out soon. I believe it was, I was on medical EI. So it's like five months or 15 weeks or something. And I didn't want to dig into my thing. So anyway, I just, I'm like, I'm not getting any better. So I like, it was, there's a river by my house, this beautiful river. I'm in BC by the way, but um, the beautiful river, I write music on this river. And, uh, you know, I've all, I just go to this river a lot, but this night it was like a full moon and I'm so desperate to get sober that I'm like in my room and I'm getting down the last bit of vodka. I'm like, man, like I got money. I can just get more of it. Like this is fucking, this has got to stop. This is getting, this is getting out of control. So I, I, I said, fuck man, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. Like I'm going to do something like I'm so desperate. So I, I, I got out of my room. It's like, it's like, you know, 11 at night, full moon in the sky. And I walked to the liquor store and grabbed another Mickey. And I had already, I had a mini Mickey at that time. So I pounded it as I was walking to the liquor store. I get these mini Mickeys because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, that's all. That's all I need. That's all I need. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, right. So I finished the mini Mickey. I go get another Mickey. And I go to the liquor store. I grab that Mickey and I, and I head to this river. And I keep drinking it. And I keep drinking it. And I get to the river there. And I'm in this spot, a spot where I've written lots of lyrics and music. And I'm like, I go, I'm walking through the middle of the night, right? So I get to this spot and then I see the full moon. It's right there. The water's all black. And, you know, it's like the, the moon, the light's like flickering off the water. And I'm listening to something on the headphones. I can't remember, but I'm sitting there just, you know, I, I get to go down on my knees, like in the, in the wet shoreline. I'm just like, please, like, whatever this is, like, whoever's out there listening, great creator, spirit, God, like, I need, I need, I'm calling on you right now, like, that this is not going to end well. Please, like, help me this time, like, help me out. Like, that just, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm releasing, I'm, I'm incapable at this point. I, I just, I, I need help. And, like, I just left a little tiny, in this bottle and I threw it in the river I don't litter just for the record <laughs> but 
this time I did like a message in the bottle. I just, I was like, I don't know, man. I make it as ritualistic as possible, right? Like it's just, it's some kind of sacrament or something. Like I just threw it in, and then I think, it, and then I went home, right? And I, and I passed out. And oddly enough, my neighbor came and knocked on my door that morning before I could get up and go get booze. And she was like, "Hey, you want to go for a walk?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" And that was brutal because. I was just shaking and, and I told her what was going on and I'm like, you got to hang out with me now because I'm going to go get booze. And, um, and then what's really cool is that at some point between in that, that day or a couple of days before I talked to one of my buddies from, from the scene or whatever. And he, and she's like, I got a meeting. You can go to I'm like meeting. So like, Oh fuck. 12 steps, full blue books. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so, bro. And uh, he's like, no, just come to this thing. And it's, it's, it's fucking, it's cool. It's CA, it's a cocaine anonymous. I'm like, I'm not even a cokehead, really. He's like, just whatever. Just come, check it out. I'll be there. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm desperate, right? And then I'm thinking, so at, that, so at this point, I know I got to do this meeting thing. And I'm with my friend who came to the door and we went for a walk. And, I'm th- and I got to Google this address that he gave me and I'm worried. I'm like, oh man, like, I don't want to go this fucking, I don't have my license, I don't want to take a bus anywhere, like, I don't care, but, so I Google this, where the meeting's going to be, just going to be, I think it was that night, actually, and the fucking church, where this meeting is, was on the river. Wild. Yeah, and I'm like, what? So when I Googled it, it was literally right where I was, like, right behind my house, it's a 10-minute walk. And it was right there alongside the river. And I've walked by that church many times. I had no idea. And I was like, well, that's fucking weird. I mean, whatever. You can think what it is. And most people are like, it's a coincidence. The church is everywhere. I don't believe in that kind of thing. I've seen too many things, especially in the last nine months. Or whenever you're walking a path of enlightenment and, and, and spirituality and self-awareness, you're going to start seeing synchronicities. You're going to start seeing things up opportunities. And it's up to you to take advantage of them and call them what you want. But I mean, um, you got to be open to that. I am anyway. And this to me was just one of those, my, my prayers were answered. I mean, and that's what I looked at. And so I went to this meeting, I was super nervous and I sat down in this rugged little church, but everyone was cool there. Cause I've been to some AA meetings in the past and some of them are intense, right? Like some of the AA stuff is a little too clean cut for me. It was just too gaudy, preachy. I, I don't know, but I am a still part of that community. I'm getting to that point of this story here. And uh, I went to this meeting and that was it. And they asked me to share. Hey, man, you want to share? And that was the start for me and like for that church. And I've been going to that meeting ever since. And it's the only meeting I've ever gone to. And um, I, I, and, it, and it's been a difference in, in recovery this time for sure. Collecting chips, um, being a part of that, that, that group in particular. And having a guy that runs the group, I text him every morning. And that has been the difference. Because every other time I try to get sober, I, um, I, I fuck up. So it's been, so, it's, so that part of the, that community is, is very helpful. Now, I do believe there are some limiting beliefs, in, in my opinion. Like some of the stuff they say, like, like no mind-altering substances. Right? Like, I don't think weed's an issue. I don't smoke weed. I'm 100% sober right now. Um, but I also believe in like plant-based medicines, like, like ayahuasca, like microdosing mushrooms. Like there's a lot of studies. There's a lot of things out there for alternative healing. And I'm open to that. I wanted to get my one year, no matter what, right off the bat. But this community is not judgmental like that. Like 
But I mean, I, I, so I did miss a part of the story there because at some point I did jump into AA. The first couple months of my of, of this nine month run, I was well, I was off for four months, so I was hitting up a lot of Zoom meetings, right? Like Zoom has been pretty cool, and um, a lot of so I just a lot of AA Zoom stuff, and those are pretty good. There's a lot of good people in there, man. But I'm an edgy metalhead covered in tattoos. I'm a little stubborn. I'm a little arrogant in some ways, right? So you gotta imagine. And then when someone starts going, telling me things like, dude, this is the only way you're going to get silver. I start researching. I start, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, 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 no. We talking like that. But for the first couple months, I was doing the AA thing. And then I did get a sponsor. And he was a Christian. Really cool guy. And I was going to some of these pretty elite meetings downtown. But it was, it was overwhelming for me. It was just intense. And the 12 steps were intense. But I did them wholeheartedly. And I did have like a religious, they say, you get, you do have like a religious experience. But I saw, it was weird. I saw like, it was, it was crazy. Like when I did step four, which is like writing down all of your um, resentments and taking, basically taking responsibility for them. And so like that, once I wrote down like 110 reasons why I fucked up, you start really, you start, you start getting pretty introspective. And I, you know, and I had that moment of enlightenment for sure. But. And you've been sober for about nine months now. Yeah. So in this recovery, have you managed to get an idea of how the addiction manifested itself? Oh, buddy. That, now you're going, now that's, now we're getting into it. Yeah, dude, I have trauma. I have severe childhood trauma. And for, but for me, man, my childhood going way back, like, it's just, it, it, it's, it's hard, man. But uh, my first fall, I was in foster home. My first foster home, I was uh, eight years old. And I come from a lineage of alcoholics and depression. And, um, you know, my grandfather fought in World War II, man, and saw some crazy shit, right? So post-traumatic stress disorder, which they didn't even really understand what the hell that was. So he comes back from the war. My main memories of my grandpa were like of him just drinking. Looking back, I'm like, holy shit, this dude was a drunk, but he was a great man, right? Who saw horrible things. So anyway, you have that, then you have a household where things are unstable. And so my mom, I don't know what happened, but she has some sort of untreated mental illness. She's a great person. She's like, and uh, we healed our relationship, but something happened and I was put into foster care at eight years old and I was put in and out of foster homes until I was became a ward of the court at 18. And you can imagine the shit that went down in those things. I didn't get like molested. There was this weird stuff that happened when you got put a, put a bunch of young boys in foster homes. Of course, little things happen, weird shit happens, right? I'm, it's, it, it, you know, but I, I was never like raped or, or sexually molested. I've been just very like, emotionally immensely abused from my mother having crazy like yelling and screaming over things and explosive to this day if someone's like slamming cupboards in the kitchen like making dinner just naturally it triggers me oddly like i'm like oh whoa and that's from the that's from the yelling and the screaming and the slamming of things lots of emotional reactiveness and so what so for me once i realized what trauma was and trauma is and severe abandonment issues. I'm, I'm like poster boy for addiction, man, because like I had the cards were stacked against me from day fucking one. And um, so, and the attachment disorders, you were talking about that. So, I was on the attachment disorder spectrum, I, I attach intensely. And then when I get abandoned, I 
fucking fall apart. So uh, I, uh, two years ago, a girl broke up with me, and it was like, and for me, heartbreak and breakups are like ruthlessly painful because deep down in my neurology, it's a it's a self worth thing. I'm like, I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. So I better go drink. But this time I was like, there's something so wrong. Like, what the fuck is this? This is what, breakup number five over the last how many years with another girl? Like, another, and it's that, that cyclical fucking pattern that we repeat over and over as addicts, right? Like, get a girl, lose a girl. Get the job, fucking lose a job. Get the license, lose a license. Build it up, burn it down. Build it up, burn it down. Build it up. So that's my life. 100%. And I got to a point where it's like, this is fucking, this is, un, this is unlivable. Like, what the fuck is wrong? What is this? And I wouldn't thank my ex at all, but I'm grateful that it happened because in retrospect, it was like, I was thrown in the fire and it woke me up. And that was when I was about 35 years old and I've been able to like seek therapy, trauma therapy. And uh, like, then you get into lots of like mindfulness and meditation and like super self-aware behavior. So like now, like when my mom, I live with my mom, actually, I moved in with her after this breakup and just economically, I'm like, I'm just going to stay. So she, me and her have a scrap. If she wants to scrap about something, I'm able to just use it immediately because I understand the steps and the behavioral issues and it's done instantly. At the beginning of the call, you mentioned the pandemic. And like you, a lot of people, many of them on this show, have mentioned how the pandemic impacted their addiction or their recovery. Yeah. What specifically about the pandemic was it for you that impacted your recovery? isolation and fear i think um it was just it's a scary thing it's the unknown i mean it, it, in the face of the end of the world or something so unknown like that like that we're taking away the connection we're taking away shows we're taking away movie theaters we're not allowed to hang out with anyone it's a recipe for disaster for any addict especially if they don't have a long long amount of clean time and even for even for the one for someone who hasn't had a long like one year technically in the face of the fucking end of the world that's not a long time, but I heard that people with years of sobriety still folded. Maybe that's because at the beginning of the pandemic, we had that much more time to live inside our own heads. Yeah, and you see, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's it's being able to sit there with your thoughts and your emotions and not fuck up, right? I mean, what a, t- what a true test of your, your abilities to like, what a true test for everyone. And now you're on the other end of the pandemic, nine months into recovery in those nine months, how has your life changed? Well, it's been different this time. Uh, like I said, um, like I said, I believe in this great synchronistic algorithm and I, and I, and I think that almost like, like I was supposed to relapse. I was supposed to go to foster care. I was supposed to learn how to emotionally uh, cure my mom or help her understand her trauma. I had to learn humility. I was an arrogant rock star wannabe psycho. And um, the difference this time is humility. And I think once I understood, once I, I took note of the higher power, like my spirituality and took meditation a little more seriously, diet more seriously, reading, podcasting, and just trying to educate. 
and then give back too, like giving back to people, like trying to help them understand. And it's been the difference this time. Like it's, it's way different. It's way different this time. Like, but one of the main things is happiness and I'm not happy at work. And the more I heal and the more trauma therapy I do, I become more self-aware I'm becoming and I'm shedding the old person I was through like serious therapy and education and reading and YouTube videos. Like I'm obsessed, right? So the more I do that, more enlightened I become and the more I develop and grow. And then I start outgrowing people, which is hard. And I outgrow my own self, which is, you know, hard. And, but, but it's the only way. So that's been, that, that whole part has been, has been the biggest difference. And my darkest hours of, of, of addiction, like for even in my twenties, when I was up for days on meth, like hallucinating people in my house and, you know, like, I think I grew out of those just because they're not socially acceptable. Like, you can't just fucking have a life and hide in your house for days and days and days. I think I just naturally grew out of that. But being an alcoholic, man, you know, fucking losing my license over and over and over again. Like, I still have my end. At, at, I'm almost 40, and I'm, I still have my end. And then the relationships with girls. Like, I'd have a beautiful girlfriend, and... Things would be going good, and like they were just like, "Why are you drinking? Why are you drinking? Why would they always say like, why are you picking me over the? Why why are you picking the booze over me? Like, what is wrong with you?' And like chance for chance, and then they just leave, right? So just torment, just tormenting yourself. But you don't understand like why you're tormenting yourself. I learned for me in particular that it was because I have self worth, and I felt that's all I deserved just was to be in torment. Like my life right now, I'm building it back up. I've got a very cool, very gorgeous girl I'm seeing again. I have a new band that's incredibly talented, one of the most talented bands I've ever worked with. I just got accepted for a new career opportunity. I'm talking on a cool podcast here about my journey. What a what a rad experience that was. Um, and, the, and the best thing about a bad day, a bad week, or even a bad month, maybe even a bad year, like we've experienced, is that it eventually ends. There's always hope if you keep pushing. Now, I understand there's things like cancer and there's like car accidents and there's horrible things that happen that are just so un, un, unfathomably difficult. But if you're still breathing, you still have an opportunity, right? And so you've got to push, man. Whoever's listening to this is struggling, you just have to push and you have to be aware of your triggers, right? Like everything's a fucking trigger. Netflix, sex, porn, sugar, fucking a drama. Like just be emotionally intuitive. Like you really have to be careful who you surround yourself with right and honestly man one of the biggest keys was like being alone that was one of the things the pandemic did for me is i spent a lot of fucking time alone tons of time two years single barely had sex at all with anyone so i spent a lot of time reading a lot of time walking that river and just being alone and literally learning to love myself and just and i'm, and I'm like yeah man and I, and I can honestly say i'm falling in love with who i am and now people can see that and they reciprocate that energy with likes and comments and interactions at places, you know, Hey man, you look good. The world is yours. If you look for it. Earlier, you talked about building it up and burning it down, referring to yourself. Yeah. It's almost like the higher we build it up, the easier it is to light on fire all at once. That's right. Right. It's for that reason that complete sobriety kind of scares me. Yeah. I don't want to have to hold on to my sobriety for dear life. That'll make me fragile. Yeah. And that would mean that I don't have that much control over my own mind. If I did, I'd be able to do drugs sometimes. 
come time. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I like how the real talk we're in now. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's well. what I mean. Like, some people fucking stay. Like, some of those days, like, some of them are, they're sober and they look like they're handling it well. But there's like other. Yeah, like some of them are clinging to it for dear life, and you're you're. That's exactly what you're saying. Like, you, like it looks like that's like sometimes the cure is worse than the disease, man. And it's frustrating. Like, I would like to be able to go to Thailand and fucking drink. I'd like okay. to be able to go to Mexico one day and fucking drink, Get, having sex when I'm drunk. But that's what I was trying to tell you. Like, that's why now I I'm so much I'm so self aware of what I do, it why why I do it for the self medicating, and I'm like, okay, well, that's just, and I'm like, nope. It's not an option. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to drink. Literally today, I almost called my sponsor because everything is going so fucking amazing that my body, all of a sudden, my body started releasing endorphins and I started getting kind of a dopamine hit. And I was kind of getting that excited feeling like when you're about to do cocaine. I was getting that while I was driving home today from my couple of things I was doing. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I like think, I'm like, okay. Like my body was like, okay, it's time to celebrate. Like, that's not an option. And, uh, that's all I got. Sobriety is a state of mind. But our minds are fragile, easily manipulated by emotion. This caller spoke at the end about literally being high on life. But when things aren't going right, that's when our resolve is truly put to the test. As addicts, we rely on support systems when life becomes too heavy and the temptation becomes too strong. And hopefully those support systems will hold strong in the face of diversity. I'm Quick Nick. Thanks for listening. If you want to anonymously tell your story about addiction, find Addicts in the Dark on Instagram.